0: the game we love, a game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room, or the field of play, but they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick tackle and try score yes they are there for when you need them most because they are the major league rugby fans and the time has come for you to stand with your team join us at shopmr.com today and here we are rugby fans back for another episode, episode 99, in fact, as we creep ever closer to that 100 cap mark for our team here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. As a reminder, for those of you tuning in, my name is Ty Braga, today's host. Joining me, of course, is Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt, and in the absence of our co-partner, Scott Ferrara, we've pulled in the big guns again. <laughs> Seriously, he's got to be on the payroll by now. That is Mike, the Grand Poobah Perizzini. Welcome back, my friend.
1: Always a pleasure to be on.
0: I think we're definitely going to have to get you like, you know, on the Christmas list or something and like the, the like the team's uh, uh, party
1: or something. It's yeah. I was going to say, I've definitely off. earned a cap at this point, you know, yeah. so whatever you yeah, want to well, send that.
2: We're, we're working on something. We, we got something <laughs> in the books for, for those couple, couple of people like yourself that are regulars and uh, help us out and, and uh, contribute to our, our fans understanding and knowledge of rugby in the United States and Canada
0: exactly exactly that and to be able to share with our fans it's best we dive into around the pitch So, gentlemen, here we are to be able to give our pieces of newsworthy stuff folks should know about as rugby fans, whether it be on home soil or abroad. If we think you should know about it, we're going to share it and we're going to do it. We're starting with
1: Mike. What do you have to share, my friend? So this past weekend, Rugby Connecticut, Rugby Pennsylvania, Rugby New Jersey and Rugby New York played in Hoboken It was hosted by Rugby, New York, you know, the team, and they play the 2022 state all-star tournament. Champions ended up being, from my home state, Rugby Connecticut over Rugby New Jersey, 26-0. But this just goes to show you, rugby is growing. You know, there's you now have a point where, you know, you've got four states able to compete with one another fairly well. And it's great to see that, you know, it's happening at the youth level, being high school. So it's great to see young rugby players getting better growing the game. And, you know, hopefully we see some of these guys make it into the MLR. Yeah. And you're so right that now we're seeing more and more competition at a
0: younger and younger age. And that's how we get better, right? Is be able to give more opportunity for game time. Uh, There's only so much you can do on the training pitch, but without the actual game time, it's not going to connect. It's not going to land. We're not going to grow as a rugby nation. Thanks for highlighting that Mike Rob, what do you have to share?
2: Well, I'm going to continue along that line and and kind of raise the raise the stakes a little bit to put in a few more chips into the middle of the table, if you will. We've been seeing on the Rugby Network uh, a lot of high school rugby get attention. And a um, couple weeks, we've seen some pretty interesting stuff because – the high school rugby has actually been attached to MLR teams. And so um, on uh, the 29th of May, you can go back and catch it, San Diego, Utah, and L.A. all played in Chula Vista. But most recently, on June 12th, this past Sunday, um, in Austin, Texas, um, the Legion, HTX, so Houston's uh, High School Academy, uh, and the AG's, the Outlaws, and the ATL Academy all played one another. And so uh, winners, the Legion, big winners over HDX, 20, uh, sorry, 78 to seven. Uh, the outlaws losing to ATL Academy uh, 54 to 14, even though there were a bit of a route, it is good to see that high school is being played built into MLR teams. Cause I think as they get more funding and support, we're going to see a more competitive atmosphere. So it's uh, on the backs of what uh, Mikey talked about. It's it's good to see the MLR teams are also promoting and supporting high school rugby.
0: Yeah. And I'm so glad that you highlighted it because it might put some of the naysayers to rest out there who say, oh, we're not putting enough into development. We're not putting enough into the next generation. MLR needs to have a youth team. Well, they do. They and do. we might not be giving it the, the recognition that it quite deserves. So thank okay. you for highlighting that, Rob. Regardless of what the score lines may be, they're out there playing rugby right? That's the takeaway there. So let me dive into a little bit more about rugby as we continue to be able to expand the events at the professional level here at home. One of those that has now made it onto the calendar that you should take note of. Uh, We've got another one coming up next week. The first one was actually uh, happened this past weekend. And I am, of course, talking about the SLA exhibition series now known as the Challenge Cup of the Americas. Who's participating? Well, the American Raptors at home in Glendale have played host to two nations from South America, one from Uruguay, Montevideo to be exact, and that is Penarol Athletic. Um, They are the only professional club started in 2019 to join the SLA contest. So it's great to be able to see them expanding and coming up north. So many people have been talking about, oh, I wish we could have, you know, sides from from the U.S. play against, uh, you know, the South. And let's uh, test our medal against them. Well, that was certainly tested this week. Um, one of the big, well, the biggest test for the American Raptors came against the Haguaris 15. Uh, if you're not familiar with who they are. They are kind of a descendant from the super rugby side uh, of the Jaguares, who competed against the top uh, sides of New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa, uh, and also one side from Japan with the Sun Wolves. Uh, since, since that disbanded, this side has been used as a really strong development side of the Jaguares 15. As a result, these guys have been playing rugby a long time. They're the next generation for Argentina uh, at a national side, and they unfortunately. Gave a bit of a hiding to the uh, the American Raptors with a 69-0 loss. But you know what comes out of that? A great opportunity to learn. Remember, many of those players in the American Raptors are crossover athletes who have not been playing rugby for even six months. Many of them have now gone on to be able to reach even higher honors, like David Still, who's joined the Olympic 7 squad. So, yeah, we hope to be able to see even more. There is another co- one coming up next week, um, and it is a North versus South competition. Um, BC Ravens competed against Penarol They actually beat them 24 to 13. That was the surprising win from an amateur side beating a professional side. Um, so it shows you uh, that there's definitely pluses and minuses for both areas of North and South in the growth of rugby. So uh, yeah, that was a really good uh, opportunity to be able to share that. Thank
1: you, gentlemen, but let's dive into the next with uh, Mike Parazzini. So my final one is we're going off to New Zealand for it, but still USA Rugby. Um, the USA Women just played their second round in the Pacific Four Series, which pits them against New Zealand, Australia, and Canada. I believe they lost their first match against Canada. But this past weekend, they ended up beating Australia 16-14. So way to go, USA Eagles. And, you know, just hopefully, you know, let's eke out, you know, maybe a, a nice little underdog win against New Zealand in their last game. All right.
0: Yeah. And it's great to be able to continue seeing this, uh, the Pacific Four series grow. It is new, but it's given them a tremendous opportunity to be able to test the the, the skills of the team um, because, of course, they have the Rugby World Cup coming up later this year. And it is new Zealand, yeah. So it's great to be able to see them playing that side, climatizing and getting really comfortable with one another. Um, great job. And I hope that fans will tune in later this year is really going to be some exciting rugby. Women's rugby has grown tremendously over the last couple of years. So it's great to be able to see America and Canada a part of that journey to the top. Rob Hammerschmidt, what else do you have to say?
2: Yeah, well, I I wanted to just pick up a little bit with Mike. I I wonder if the U.S. women will benefit and Canadian women for that much, uh, that much are going to benefit from having spent a little time in New Zealand here when we when they go back down there in the fall to play in the world mm-hmm. cup um it it maybe there's a method to the madness on behalf of uh the the USA women's side nevertheless i want to bring it back home here uh to major league rugby um big announcement this last week New Arca Labs is announced a partnership or the MLR announced a partnership with a New Arca Labs don't know the terms of it and there's not a lot of details as what is going to But I'm sure we'll get more and more as it emerges because it's really something that was announced here to set up for next, you know, uh, next season. But um, basically Narco Labs uh, engages in NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Uh, Basically, what we know is that uh, they're going to do digital promos and collectibles, player packs um, that people can collect and trade. And they think that some of those player packs when you buy them might have like, you know, um, little bits in there where you can get autographed, you know, balls or autographed jerseys or some other items from players. Um, But uh, basically it suggests that these can be traded back and forth and um, that this is another way for MLR fans, people like me uh, and you and Ty and Mike, and even the big guy can connect with the guys that they're watching on the weekend. So um, it's good news that there's another major, um, so, so it's kind of like uh, getting
0: that card. rookie card from, uh, you know, whatever major yeah. league baseballer, uh, um, you know, in the beginning of their career. And, yeah, it's an interesting way to be able to engage fans again. Uh, it shows you that MLR is continuing to embrace technology and, you know, yeah. kind of stay up to par with what's happening in the world. So it's great to see.
2: Yeah. And and let's hope, by the way, that that this might be something more on the par with what kids might be able to afford, you know. Right. Um, that's, that's a key factor. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like we we, we, and I'm I'm the idiot that buys, you know, the game worn jerseys that a lot of the teams have been pushing out. I should expect to get my new military jersey from NOLA coming in very shortly. But, you know, that the idea is to get kids to support, engage with players. And I think this hopefully this will be a more affordable way to do it.
0: Yeah, well, we will definitely be uh, be watching that. Um, and I wanted to take uh, the opportunity to highlight USA Rugby again as we uh, before we head out of this piece. So by the time everybody's watching this, the announcement has been made that the player pool of 30 on the roster has been chosen for the upcoming uh, test series. Um, Well, I should say Rugby World Cup qualifiers and the internationals, in fact, with USA Rugby, the men's program, of course, headed up by Gary Gold, has chosen 30, a lot of familiar names. There's only one that I believe is an uncapped player at the moment with Mitch Wilson from the Free Jacks. Um, So it's going to be an interesting mix-up. And if you wanted to be able to hear our thoughts on that, And as we dissect it, you can continue to be able to hear more about that by following us on Patreon.com, our new home for all the additional content. that for you as a fan, will give you a deeper insight to what we think, deeper analysis, and you can join us again at Patreon.com under the handle at Pod. For only three bucks a month, you can get all the good stuff, and that helps us keep doing what we do here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. So, gentlemen, we are now done with what... We can call around the pitch. And before we go any further, it's best you learn what we do or how we do what we do, should I say, with the help of one of our sponsors. We'll be back in just a moment as we dive into our familiar rugby debate.
2: Tidehead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tidehead is located in Mundelein, Illinois and easily accessible for many Chicagoans as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tidehead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tight Ed is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own rugby rant podcast show. Tight Ed's Tap Room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark Bale-Age brew, Tight Ed can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try.
0: welcome back rugby fans it's time for the familiar rugby debate episodes and on this occasion we're going to have a head-to-head competition here of sorts because we got in one corner rob the hammer Hammerschmidt, and then the other mike perazzini on behalf of scott ferrara this is going to be a battle these are like two veterans of the show here right now we've got mike who's, who's got some really great insights from new york It's great to be able to have you here uh, because you obviously have been following them all season long. And as a great ambassador for the fans, we're going to get your insight much like we will for Rob on the recent conference eliminators. So we're going to dive into the review, what they think, what they think the team should learn from that experience as they are progressing into the conference final. And then finally, we're going to end this piece by asking them who do they think is going to win And take the honors for each conference, of course, in the West and the East. So, gentlemen, before we dive into it, it's best we remind everybody what exactly happened this past weekend. Well, obviously, with a tumultuous uh, time in MLR, surprisingly, San Diego rugby players got called back from what they thought was their vacation to be able to say, Hey, guys, news, you're in the conference eliminator. So, um, but it was also, interestingly enough... On the back of a bye, because they had their bye week right at the end. So they actually had two weeks of no rugby. Was this a factor? We'll find out what you guys think. But we're going to ask them to review the two matchups, the first of which was Rugby New York versus ATL. And the score settled in the end at 26-19 to in favor of Rugby New York, who, of course, advanced to the conference final in the East. And then in the West, it was... Seattle and San Diego, as I alluded to a moment ago, that competed for the honors there. San Diego certainly, um, as I mentioned, had some factors uh, in their disadvantage. So we'll learn what you guys think about that. But the score ended with an unflattering 43 to 19 in favor of Seattle Seawolves. So, gentlemen, time to debate. We're going to open it up with our guest, as we usually do, Mike Perizzini.
1: So, yeah, watching that, you know, Seattle, you know, or watching the Atlanta uh, Rugby New York game, it was just amazing. You know, first playoff win for Rugby New York, you know, it, you know, all those years that that heartbreak against, you know, San Diego, the heartbreak last year against Atlanta. This seemed like it was some sort of, you know, revenge going down there and winning big. Um, It was a very close game, you know, back and forth the first half, I think, you know, we scored those first few penalty kicks. And then I think they, uh, you know, ATL creeped back as well. And so it was within three points going into halftime, I believe. And, you know, to me, it just rang of, you know, what happened last year where there was no tries, it was all penalty kicks, you know, it was come down or that that last minute try that last gas try by Atlanta. So I was, I was really worried. And then it seemed like, you know, rugby New York came out of the gate in that second half and it was amazing. Um, From, you know, the stats you could look at, you know, the territory, very even possession was very even, you know, scrums won, lineouts won, you know, tackles made everything. It just was a very even match, a very great match to watch. And so great on Rugby New York finally winning you know, hopefully moving <laughs> forward, a you know, bit
0: extra that they needed before they got it.
1: This yeah. And, I'm, I, and I'll say, you know, I think part of this has to do with their win against the free Jacks the week before, you know, you right. go in kind of a confidence. Yeah. You go into new England, you get that nice win. You, you know, you are arresting some guys, some guys, you know, you know, we're kind of playing out of position. You go down to Atlanta, you say, you know, screw it. We're going to, we're going to win by, you know, hooker by crook. And it seemed like they did it. And you know, going forward against you know the free jacks, it's gonna be fun to watch, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then your thoughts on the other, uh, this the
1: uh, San Diego, Seattle one. As for San Diego, Seattle, I think as you were mentioning before, I I think you know, two weeks off was kind of you know a little too rough for them. Really, you gotta think, you know, they got they probably got the call Mondays or Tuesdays when the LR announced that, you know, LA was out. So all of a sudden you I really happened. Happened. Yeah. chatted to a couple of players. They were like, had plans.
0: They had to cancel yeah. to go see the families. They were headed to the airport.
1: <laughs> so at least, at, at least with Austin, you, you know, they Austin knew that they were out. And so, you know, you had, you know, Seattle's like, Oh, we've now made, you know, they ended up right. winning thing thankfully, but you know, th- they made it up. And like, so, major.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, a little extra. And then, yeah, now now San Diego going from, you know, cooling down to, you know, now you got to ramp it back up again. I just think it was not only that, but traveling to Seattle, I think it was a little too much for them. So it it was good to see that they played. They, you know, it, you know, unflattering scoreline, but still, you know, a good game to watch. Excellent. Well, thanks for your for your
0: notes there. Let's hand it over to Rob. What do you think?
1: So
2: I think it was interesting as I watched both games this weekend, it was a contrast in styles in the MLR mm-hmm. in the East. You were on Saturday treated to a you know typical Northern hemisphere rugby match. You kick for possession, you kick for the corner, use a rolling mall, uh, very physical contest. Um, but you really mind your possession. You don't put yourself on the back foot by trying to run it out of your own end. And I think, Rooney found the secret sauce to winning against uh, rugby ATL as something that they've done very well since last season, when they were the first team to beat LA that they knew they had to slow uh, the team down. They had to slow ATL down. They had to again, kick for possession um, and then, and points in the corner, use a rolling mall, take points when they were on offer. And there was some debate with um, the uh, broadcast team about, you know, taking when they were 6-0, taking the points to make it 9-0 or kicking for the corner and try to use that rolling ball to drive it in. And they opted to kick for points. So I guess, um, you know, they really found let's you know, keep the scoreboard ticking over. One of the most interesting things was that they actually changed the lineup from the time the lineup released to game time. Butch came in at eight. They left Geiger, Kyle Geiger at, um, at number two. Why? They knew it was going to be a physical contest. Right. They knew that they were going to have to use a a forward heavy. They also had Savetta and Brakely on the bench. Um, So I think their mixture on the bench was headed towards forwards. And it paid off, by the way, because one of their locks went down within the first 10 minutes and Savetta had to come in. So, um, you know, Marty Veal perhaps uh, putting on his crystal ball, if you will, um, in that one. And so um, kudos to them for finding the right formula and getting the right mix of players. To make that happen on the west, we were treated to a very open um, game. Right, uh, Seattle came out right away, scored points, ran with the ball. Where it was physical, but it was very much a game of transition. You know, kicking the ball. You know, returning the kick, finding gaps in the defense. Um, you know, uh, it was also a period where I think San Diego committed a lot of the penalties early, and Seattle um, made them pay for it when it counted, especially you know, uh, putting points in the board. Um, so there was some really great exchanges of play there. Um, but I can't help to think that Seattle was supported by the 16th band. You know, being in uh, Tuquila there, I think, was a really benefit to them. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they have to play away down in Houston this weekend. Yeah,
0: you bring up an excellent point, though. And you and I were having exchanges online, chatting to each other while watching the match and talking about the attendance. And on what was considered to be short notice, uh, they had a pretty good crowd. And the energy, the atmosphere in Seattle is second to none in the league. Um, It's always been the most consistent, you know, bar maybe um, Utah being able to rival them in, in overall attendance. But the energy is, is, is so great. And you think about that sticking man. They mentioned it so many times in the commentary. It is so powerful. We spoke about it later. You'll see an interview with Danny Tusitala who speaks about that presence of the, of the MLR rugby fan being such an incredible factor um, in the energy they bring to the field. And uh, that's no more true than when you look at Seattle. And for San Diego, yeah, maybe it was a tough one for them to be able to find out what is relatively considered as the last minute, uh, to be able to galvanize the team on short notice, to be able to change plans. Morale could have been low. They already thought their season was over two weeks before. You know, um, They're already disappointed. And to be able to get a, a, you know, a last-grasp effort, to be able to have a shot at it, I would have expected them to revel in it a little bit more. Um, so I was a little disappointed with the effort um, some people would would criticize me for that, um, but it just felt like everything that they had done in the season up until now that they did well they didn't do. Um, so it's they were playing a very different game. Uh, Seattle had control of it from the start, I feel very much a uh, similar feel to to what Rob mm. was saying. Um, now with 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 the east, um, you know Rob, you referenced this a, a little while ago and and have done several times before it's kind of interesting to be able to see how it is changing from one style of play I'm referencing from one uh, uh, part of the country to another. And maybe that's because of who comes into those teams. Maybe it's because of the coaching, but I tell you what, it's no less attractive rugby to me, whether it is a higher scoring game or if it's a lower scoring game, but what's important is that it's entertaining and it's great rugby. So both of them provided a quality product, but for different reasons, And as a rugby fan, you're spoiled for choice in in, in the MLR. You've got a little bit of everything. And as we continue to move forward and define what that style looks like, it's going to be interesting to see what it may look like. But this season has already been great. The conference eliminators out the way now. Rugby New York taking the honors on one side and Seattle taking the honors on the other. i got to set it up now, gentlemen. Who do we think is going to come away with it all in the conference final itself? Let's start with Mike. Your final thought there.
1: So I'll go. I'll go west first, and then I'll go east. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be Houston. I, Houston has had this meteoric rise, you know, this season. Um, going from was it, last place last year, you know, bringing a new, all new coaching staff. You know, the South African style of rugby. You know, an almost like a mini bomb squad coming in, and that I think it, yeah, it's going to be Houston. They're definitely going to, you know, kind of mosey on up and use that physicality against Seattle instead of that you know, West coast kind of feel. So I'm going to say, I think Houston, it's going to be, it's going to be a big score. I'm not sure what, maybe a two try score, but I'm, I'm thinking Houston. And then for the free Jacks for rugby, New York, uh, is there any, you know, I, there's only one team I can, yeah, bet, like, you hey, know, in heart, Do they say the same thing? Head, hand over heart, yeah, head and heart they're they are saying rugby New York. And okay. it's I think rugby New York by one score, whether that's you know, a three, a five, right, or a so seven So you think it's, it's gonna be it's within seven? Game. It's I it's gonna be within seven. I think it's gonna be a nice close one. You saw, you know, it seemed like there was this hump that rugby New York couldn't get over this year, and that was beating the free jacks. You know, they Lost to them twice at home and it seemed like, oh, crap, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be our hill that we're not going to be able to climb. And then, you know, last week or, you know, now two weeks ago, they go to the Free Jacks and end up winning and end up winning a defensive battle, too. That was the other thing. You know, I think most of the scoring was done in the most or all the scoring was done the first half. That second half was just pure defense jackaling, hard hits, Mm -hmm. forcing guys out of bounds, stuff like that. It was amazing to watch. And I think, you know, they were resting players. So not everyone was there. Not everyone was healthy. You know what? Going in, everyone should be ready to go. So I think Rugby New York has got that edge. They've got that mental edge as well. I think, I don't think the Free Jacks lost a single game at home this past season, except for against, you know, Rugby New York. Maybe that plays a little bit into it. Who knows? But I'm saying Rugby New York by one score.
0: All right. I like it. I like it. And, you know, uh, rugby in New York does, does play a brilliant uh, uh, close game. They keep it tight, you know, when they have to, uh, but they could also play that expansive game when they need to as well, especially with the New Zealand uh, influence that it has in the side though, too. Uh, and, and, and Ellison and, and, and you know, uh, I mean,
1: all the influence across the, I was going to say, yeah, they, they play a very Northern hemisphere style forward play where they'll beat you up front. Right. They'll let the forwards run. They'll, yeah, they'll kick it to the side and maul back in, but you know, that back line is is all Southern Hemisphere. It's pure Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, and even the different Northern different Hemisphere different guys different are different, on it. Yeah, right? yeah. Even like yeah, Andrew Koch, Canadian sevens, still has a Southern Hemisphere feel to him, where you know he'll shoot up and blitz and stuff like that. So you know, it, I think they're they've been working that t- those two styles very well. Right, and it's that
0: blend between the two that might carry them forward. Of course, Free Jacks have been looking pretty hot this season as well. I uh, certainly have uh, deserved their spot as the, uh, uh, as the lead in that conference, you know, uh, 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 taking away all the other uh, the issues with, with MLR. But they've, they've done a great job uh, to be where they are. It's going to prove to be a great yeah. battle. It is one of the best rivalries in sports in the U.S. in general. And we love to be able to see that continuing here in MLR, too. So as an East Coast fan, you're in for something great. And on the West Coast, yeah. your choice was Houston, as a reminder to our fans. Let's hand it over to Rob Hamishman.
2: Well, you know, I know later you're going to be announcing the winner of this rant, but quite frankly, I don't think we're going to find out who actually wins this rant until next weekend's okay. time. Okay. That's because a good one. Because I couldn't. To be continued, yeah. I, couldn't agree, <laughs> I couldn't disagree more with Mikey on both of the score lines. <laughs> I'm going to start in the East. I think it's actually going to go to the Free Jacks by six. And the reason why I say that is yes. Uh, you know rugby new york did breed the free jacks uh on the last weekend but by that time the free jacks had locked up uh the conference um and locked up home field advantage throughout the playoffs and into the championship so i I, i'm not saying they put it you always want to win every game that's that's a natural competitor and players but you know i can't help but to thinking you know you, you let up just a little bit you're not on your a game you're not as focused necessarily And again, to Rooney's credit, they kept it at a low-scoring affair at 21-14. And I think that's the key for them. If they're going to win, they've got to keep the Free Jacks. Obviously, they've got to keep them probably under 20. And they've got to keep the total score um, probably under 30, I would say, under 30 points. If they can do that, they're going to win. But quite frankly, the other two matches that they played this season – Uh, were by a total of, I think, 60 points in both matches, more than 60 points in both matches. So if it's a high-scoring affair, you got to tip your cap to the free jacks, and that's where I think it's going to happen, because we're going to bring a a crowd, and it's going to be a really, really fun game to watch. On the other side, uh, Seattle versus Houston. Again, I couldn't disagree more. I'm picking Seattle by 12, and I'm picking them um, because, here again, I— Houston's got to keep the game uh, a low scoring affair as well, probably under 40. Um, What's interesting is Houston hasn't kept an opposing team under 20 points prior or uh, since week 10. Okay. So going back eight weeks, they haven't been able to keep a team under 20 points. And I think that's going to be their key to victory. Seattle, on the other hand, has had a lot of high-scoring affairs, and and we saw it this last week, and I think we're going to continue to see it. They're going to go down there, and I think they're going to be on a high. They're they're. Uh, I think you're going to see some fans travel from Seattle, and and I'm going with the away team in this one. I think they're going to win the the the, the Western Conference and and go into the final against the Free Jacks. It's an interesting one, though, and I yeah. like Seattle by I'm 12. By the way, Seattle by 12. That's my prediction. Seattle by
0: 12. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. Um, I mean, that's a pretty bold one though, or maybe it's not. Um, yeah, I don't know if I should throw my prediction out now though. You both have made really good points, but Houston, um, I agree on the fact that they need to be able to keep the points low. Um, they're not, they haven't performed well when they've gone behind on points. They just haven't been able to cover the gap. Um, To that point, free jacks um, will will put the pressure on immediately right from the start. They want to get as many points on the board. So pretty much the tactic is is, is the same for for both games, is try to keep the scoring down in the first half and play the expanse of rugby in the second half because the legs will be tired. It is the end of the season for most of these guys. The benches are a little bit thinner than they were when you started the season. You don't have the same amount of, uh, uh, of gas in the tank that you once had. For, for Houston, typically, they have a history of running out of gas at the at this stage when it gets down to, to the end. Seattle, on the other hand, have a history of doing well under pressure. Um, so I think in that regard, um, I think it's in their favor. That being said, they, they don't have not typically over the last two seasons, in my opinion, traveled that well. Now, if you do think that there's going to be a whole bunch of Seattle fans rocking up, that might be a different <laughs> story. Um, who knows, right? The Seattle fans traditionally do travel really, really well, and I hope to be able to see in both stadiums no seats open, right? That's a dream. That's a dream for 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 rugby as a whole that you should be able to fill your the seats for uh, semi final uh, uh, like this or knock all knockout stages. I'm going to be bold enough to be able to give a prediction though. I'm going with the Free Jacks as well with a score of about. I would say inside a seven on the win against New York. Um, and, and I think I'm going to go with Houston um, with about two or three, if they can keep the scoring down in the first half, if they get 20 points against them in the first half, they won't make it back. So it's not much of a prediction on the West for me. I guess I'll know by halftime. Um, and I guess we'll know who the winner is of this rant come next week. Yeah. <laughs> But gentlemen, it has been another great debate. And that's what we do here on the Rugby Rant. So we promise and we delivered. And you can tell us whether you think we're on par, whether we're way off base as a rugby fan. Of, of course, Major League Rugby and the show, we encourage you to be able to tell us if you think <laughs> we're total rubbish. Uh, so you could do that online by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Maybe you agree or disagree with any of us here. So let us know again under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We want to be able to take the time to be able to highlight um, our guest here. I don't know if we can call him a guest anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Certainly our super sub, that's for sure. Um, oh. Mike, again, it's a pleasure to be able to have you with us. Um, and, and and it's always a pleasure. I'm sure it won't be the last time that we see you. Uh, and I'm glad for that.
1: Yes, it was always a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I'm glad, you know, you know I, I sneak in here every so often. I I've, I've, guess I've kind of tricked you guys and think that, you know, I kind of know about rugby, so it's good that you believe me sometimes. (laughs) We don't know a
2: damn thing either, so you're in
0: good company. (laughs) It's a good thing you're on this show. (laughs) So, yeah, it is is a pleasure to be able to have you. We're always great fun. You're always a good laugh. Uh, And that's what really the show is about. Between myself, Rob, and Scott, we love doing this. Um, We do it purely out of the passion for the sport, and you're certainly one of those people as well, Mike. And for all the fans who continue to be able to tune in week after week, Thank you for your continuing support. We really, just like the players, just like the organizations that support them, all of this is for you. Without you, none of this counts and none of it will continue to grow. So thank you for your support to rugby in whatever form it may come and continue doing it because with all of us headed in one direction, that Rugby World Cup that seems far away now is going to be on our doorstep And we continue to be able to see the next generation work closer and closer to that. And that's for you as fans and for any of you that support rugby players and the clubs out there. So on behalf of myself and the rest of the gang, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back in a few moments with Danny Tusitala from Old Glory DC in the Run Parcel Kick interviews. But not before we hear something from one of our sponsors. Thank you. We'll see you again soon.
2: With over 37 years of experience, American Rugby Outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty. The ARO team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out. Brands such as Adidas, Barbarian, Gilbert, Canterbury, and Protec will deliver when the game gets tough. Whether you need team uniforms, boots, bags, field equipment, or swag for the post-match social. ARO is your source for quality rugby gear. They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, ARO will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart are $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continent of the United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear, available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use Rant 15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters, dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game.
0: So here we are, rugby fans, again, time for another run, pass, or kick interview with your team here from the Rugby Rant. A quick reintroduction. My name is Ty Braga, host of today's activities, and joining me is, of course, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. But more importantly, who is in the hot seat today? Well, we welcome all the way from Old Glory, D.C., Danny Tussitala. Now, this is an incredible honor. we got – or even Rob got kitted out for this one. I didn't get the memo. I
3: apologize. But, Danny, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so nice. much Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show.
2: Ty, you mean uh, Danny didn't send you a shirt? He sent me a shirt.
0: Uh, clearly, I know who's getting all the kits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You're I'm not kidding. on the Christmas uh, I, list anymore. That's it. You're I think, done. I know one of, out of my, <laughs> ever.
2: <laughs> I fished this one out of my son's drawer because he it was a gift from his uh, aunt and uncle who live in D.C. So, oh, I'm kidding. Yeah. All right. So let's take the opportunity to be able to remind those tuning in how the run,
0: pass, or kick interview works. And to be able to run you through it, I hand you back to Rob Hammerschmidt.
2: Thanks, Ty. And again, welcome, Danny. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Somebody of your caliber and station uh, in rugby. It's always fun to pick your brain and talk rugby. But for those that. folks who are just tuning in, we're going to introduce you to the run, pass, or kick interview. And it works a little like this. We're going to throw questions at Danny. And we're going to prompt each question with run, pass, or kick. And just like any good uh, rugby player, including somebody of of Danny's caliber at the number nine position, he should be able to do all three things deftly. That means he can run with it, which is to say he's going to answer a question. He can pass a question, which is to suggest he doesn't want to get himself into hot water with uh, either Sheehy or Dunleavy, or he can have a little fun with us, put us on the back foot, make us work a little bit, and he can kick the question to us, which simply means, we are going to attempt to answer the question in a way that Danny or we think Danny would answer. And uh, he can leave that answer stand. He can tell us we were shite. He can tell us we were spot on, or he can provide his own context that give you the viewers just a little bit more information that you're looking for when you come visit us for run, pass or kick interviews. Danny, are you ready for the run, pass or kick challenge, my friend?
3: Yeah, I'm looking at doing a few kicks, so we'll see how we go.
2: Remember, you're kicking <laughs> a rock. <run. Yeah>, cool. <laughs> all right. And you can direct your kick, by the way, Danny. If you want to kick it to tie all day long, be my guest. <laughs> hey, all right. So we're going to start us off. We always like to have a little fun in the first one. Um, you're known for your flamboyant hairstyle, Danny. When you moved to the States, how hard was it for you to find a qualified stylist?
3: Run, past uh, me. Run. I'll run. Um, it was pretty hot. But I eventually got there and then found someone to uh, give me a cheaper deal than because uh, it is a homemade, homemade job. So I had to find someone here while my wife was away back home in New Zealand. So I uh, just lucky I found someone to I guess, give up their time to put in all this effort to just turn this hair into blonde. So,
0: I like how he's ready and excited to answer that one. He's like, oh, man, you have no idea.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I've had it since 2017, so... Kind of figured out how I can do it myself, but I still haven't managed to do it on my own. So I always need someone else to do it. So if it's not my life, I've got to find someone who can actually do it.
2: Did you recruit somebody like Stan South, maybe, or or somebody like that to take to hook you up?
3: no no way. Nah, (laughs) don't trust
2: any of your mates.
3: (laughs) Those boys just jumped on the same boat, but um, it's all good. They can join the boat. All right. Well,
2: Stan, tri- Stan likes to trim trees. You know, it's, I mean, how hard, how different could the concept be, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, I've got a lot more hair than he does, so got a lot more dye that has to go into this here. Yeah,
0: it's funny, funny stuff. And a, a good start. I can see this is going to be a, a, a good one. You got a good sense of humor. We're going to keep rolling with that. Um, but I always like to be able to take the opportunity to let fans know a little bit about the background of who we've got here with us. So let's run through a couple of your points in your rugby resume. And for those fans who don't know, obviously, Danny is originally from New Zealand, um, Auckland, in fact, but played his rugby first in French Division two. And I know we, we practiced this before the show and I'm going to say it incorrectly. Auriac?
3: Oh, yeah. Well done. Uh,
0: he's, yeah, good. I can see. he's just, he's just saying that to be polite. Okay, I'll take oh. it. I'll take it. But it does include uh, playing in Auckland, of course. Then you go on to Old Glory, D.C., uh, and then Hawks Bay, which we're going to set up that in a a moment because it is important that you're playing a lot of rugby. And I want folks to be able to remember that because your rugby resume goes even higher than provincial honors or state honors. Um, And you also had the opportunity to play with Samoa A, uh, 13 caps onto Samoa then Samoa 7's program too, which I also think was 13 caps. So you got a lot of experience at all different levels of the sport, which is great about the MLR that we've got this experience coming to us. And you're a perfect example of that. But with that in mind, your bio indicates that you are also playing in Hawkes Bay. We spoke about this beforehand, but I want folks to be able to know, you know, you don't just hang your boots up for the season now and you're done, right? I mean, in fact, folks don't know this. He's out on a plane back home to New Zealand tomorrow morning when we are actually airing this. Or oh, actually, he'll be in England. Oh, sorry, England. What I was uh, New Zealand. By the time we uh, we air this, so here lies the question: Run pass okay, kick. What does the typical season of rugby look like for you?
3: I think six months here, obviously in the MLR. and then I've been lucky enough to do a, a couple more minor ten cups. So that's a three three to four months, and then that should be right up until November December, which is roughly the holiday. Uh, season but if um yeah if not then I'll, I'll probably find a, like a little job on the side or something to do within the summer but I think in the last four or five years I've been just training um in the off season during that time um I can't really remember a time where I did have a break um besides COVID the COVID lockdowns yeah. back in New Zealand yeah, everybody so, um, had that break <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I guess um once the COVID lockdowns finished um that's when the rugby started back up and then you know i think if it wasn't for covid you know I, I definitely would have uh got bored of rugby but um after that long stint of just sitting at home being locked in our homes it's uh you know it definitely made me grateful and um make make me appreciate playing rugby every day or doing what i love every day so uh, i'm lucky
2: yeah a hundred percent. I think it you know, that lockdown gave everybody an appreciation for the things they missed. I know I was watching another podcast you were on and you talked about having to organize your family to get some training sessions in uh yeah, during yeah, the yeah. COVID lockdown.
3: Yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for the first I think three weeks, but then obviously they they realized that there's nothing else to do. And yeah. you can only watch YouTube, you can only watch Netflix for so long and then until you so I guess the body starts telling you you need to get outside and do some exercise. So, um, you know, I was very fortunate and lucky that I had a big family in the lockdown. So um, about 14 of us or so. And um, yeah, we were just able to train outside in the front yard while the kids were all running around. And uh, lucky enough that during our lockdown, we had great weather during that time. If it was, If it was winter, I think we would have struggled throughout the whole time. Yeah.
2: Well, I wanna talk about that a little bit. You mentioned um, you know, your family and having the kids out in the yard and running around and having a good time with the family. Run pastor kick as a family man. How much of a challenge is it to keep one foot in New Zealand and one foot in the United States?
3: Yeah, it's been a challenge. I, oh, i run. Sorry, I'll run a little okay. um I think uh, I think it has been a challenge. Uh, just to come here six months and then sort of base your life outside of America after the six months is done is it is pretty tricky, but I like I said earlier, I am pretty lucky that I've been able to do a few mighty 10 cups on the way home. So, um, I think it'd be a little bit harder for me if I went home and I had six months of nothing. So, I would, I would actually have to go and find a, um, a job, a day job, and you know, and on top of that train as well, um, which I don't mind uh, doing, but uh, it's a hard balance, but. You know, I guess that's all a part of the journey and the challenge that, you know, the sport brings, um, especially in its growing stages here in America. So, um, you know, hopefully in the, the near future, it uh, becomes a 12 uh, all year round thing and all year round contracts for, you know, not only myself, but for everyone in the league. So.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, we we hope to be able to see rugby grow to that where every player is a full-time contract and the rugby calendar is continuously expanding. I mean, people actually argue that there's too much rugby, you know, but obviously we would say otherwise. Um, But it's a great opportunity for for, for guys like you who have the ability to be able to go between North and Southern Hemisphere, right? Uh, To be able to keep playing rugby. I mean, it sounds like it's 10 months of your year is pretty much full. Um, So, you know, I'm always curious, guys like you who come from new zealand and those that come from south africa or england or wherever it may be how do they get to be playing rugby here in the u.s run past
3: okay tell us about that journey i'll kick that to you ty <laughs> well, i don't know your life story but i'll give it a go <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then i'll get my side uh um, um, yeah, really good with this question of thought, danny
2: he was hoping that ball would dribble uh, into the try zone, and, and he yeah, that ball's to, gone
3: that, dead. By the way, yeah, <laughs> restart yeah,
0: <it's> like... that. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's an interesting journey. For, for what I have learned is that the story is kind of different for each person. But one thing that is common is that the league will reach out, and and you'll hear a lot from other players in the league too. You know, you'll know mates of yours who have come over and the, the word spreads and you say, hey, what's it like? And even like this, even Mike Lash, you know, from, from New Zealand said it was the same thing, right? You know, he, he got heard about it, watched with a, with a, a cautious eye as the league started, continue to develop little whispers. Oh, they're actually playing rugby in the U.S. And then you get to know a few people that have actually gone over and tried it. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to speculate as to what was the turning point that said that then maybe how you learned about the MLR and how you heard from other people was kind of similar. Did you, did you find that you found about the MLR like through other people maybe? That it been you? Uh,
3: I just, I just uh, in all honesty, I just got a random call at the time during probably a time where I kind of was just like, oh, going through the motion and playing uh, for Auckland. And I just, mm-hmm. got a ra- um, just got a random call from Washington, D.C., which I missed the first call. And I thought, oh, who'd be calling me from Washington DC in America? And you know, it's gonna be like call- two AM because of the time difference. Yeah, so I, you know, I answered the phone call, and it was uh, Andrew Douglas at the time. Okay. Uh, and uh, funny enough, he just asked, "Hey, man, I got your number off Tyler Lavea." I uh, said, "You, he said, you go pretty well, um, and you can play halfback wing." And I said, "Yeah, I, I can." I think so. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. I think I can. (laughs) I think I can. We know you can, okay? (laughs) And then he, uh, yeah, he just like, you know, asked if I'd be interested in the opportunity to play, in in America and play in the MLI. What was your initial thought though? Like the first thing that came into your head? I was just like at the time. I was like, yes, sweet. Like the moment he asked me, I said, yes, sweet. And then he, uh, he was like, oh, okay. uh, well, we can get into contract negotiations, and then I say, "Yeah, just send me whatever, and I'll sign it."
1: So,
3: <laughs> Easiest negotiations easy. ever. Yeah, well, because you know, like at the time I was with Auckland, and uh, looking for something uh, different by the sounds of it. Yeah, well, because I just finished the sevens and like Samoa sevens, and I'd just been traveling for the last three three years, and in, in and out of New Zealand, going back and forth between uh, Auckland and Samoa. So I decided I needed to sort of get myself a contract um, and just try something different. And, you know, lucky enough, I I came here and I just enjoyed it. You know, obviously the first season was cut short by COVID, but, you know, in that time, I really enjoyed, like, the environment, just just everything, like even the city, and just to be able to travel around. I'm sure that I
0: speak for a lot of fans that it looked like you settled in pretty quickly, even though it was a shortened season. You know, and certainly you didn't have enough time to get the chemistry right in only four games, but, you know, like a lot of players, um, you know, it, it's important those first games to kind of see where you land, get your feet into it, and then you get, and yes, your experience was shortened, but it seemed to, to be well good for you, I mean, right from the start.
3: Yeah, Um, you know, I think a massive thing about America is the fans and the support right. you receive from a lot of them, you know, they you know, what I've learned like, that they just they love sport. And, you know, if you're representing their their city or their team, you know, they'll support you through the through thick and thin. And you know, as we've seen this season, our fans never let us down. You know, they came in every week, supported us right to the to the last round. So, you know, and, and that's why I love it here in America. And like I said earlier, you can travel to places that you'd only see in movies. And you know, I've been lucky enough to see a few places that I've seen on movies and and I still pinch myself that I'm in America um I'm just a kid from west Auckland and in New Zealand, and didn't think I'd be playing rugby um, as a job but let alone be playing here in America so pretty lucky good thing you answered that
0: phone call right
3: <laughs> yeah I, It was a phone call like I didn't expect, and you know it definitely changed my life and then uh yeah you know three years on, I'm still here, so i'm I'm happy to be here
2: you know it's it's interesting a lot of players that come from other countries that we talk to are kind of in that place in their career. Like they just need a change of pace. They need a new challenge, something similar to what you described there. And so Mm -hmm. speaking of challenges, Danny, I want to talk a little bit about one this season. Um, You guys in old glory had your fair share of them. So run pass or kick. How difficult was it to adopt or adapt to the coaching change from Andrew Douglas, who recruited you to come to the United States, to Nate Osborne, who had been with Nola Gold for so long,
3: I'm gonna kick that one back to you, Rob.
2: <laughs> well, um, I, I I do know that you know Nate is coached at a number of different levels, and so I think he's pretty good at managing players, managing personalities. I think that's one of his strengths. I know uh, because I'm familiar with Nola that you know he used to meet with players on a regular basis and talk about where they sit on the week where they would be in the team uh so I think from a, a personnel management he it, it was really probably pretty easy to get on with and I know he's a real personable guy all the interactions we've had with Nate have been wonderful and he's a really really great personality uh that I hope has a place some you know in this league for a long time so I don't think it was too difficult to to adapt to his management style perhaps the the gameplay made a bit of adjustment, but, again, somebody that has your uh, resume, your background, has played for a lot of different coaches in many different structures, probably is pretty good at adopting um, and adjusting to those coaching changes on the pitch.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, um, it was difficult, I guess, you know, the transition between the two coaches and obviously um, – Especially it because it happened
0: that, midway through. That was also yeah. a challenge, I bet. Uh,
3: and I think um, what people don't realize is that it's not normal. I guess, you know, in rugby, you know, we're all, we're all rugby, um, you know, fans also. And it's it's not a normal thing to go through, especially for a team that was already going through the struggles and to lose their coach, um, you know, to lose our coach like that. Definitely was hard, um, but it was a harsh reality and a, sort of like a wake-up call that, you know, at the end of the day that this is a business and you know it's the game we choose to play and it's all a part of the game and the sport and the modern day professional game so (laughs) um yeah it was it's uh it was tough you know i definitely know um a lot of boys are going through it and uh even for myself personally i think um you know andrew did give me the opportunity to um move here with my family and um, give me the opportunity to live my dream and
0: Right. There's a lot to be appreciative for.
3: Certainly. Get yeah. that.
0: And, you know, then, there's a loyalty to it too, because you've gone through, you know, seasons before with that coach. Yeah. I'm kind of curious though. And you you touched on it that, you know, it was a big adjustment, not only for you, but also for the team. What was yeah. that morale like in those moments that change and how the news broke and, you know, what were some of the keys that, that helped you guys move forward?
3: I think, mean, um, uh, a lot of it was more just in shock and, uh, So, there was no
0: foreshadowing that this was coming, it just was a
3: surprise. I think it was a surprise to the players, but you know, um, I think the owners and that did what they they thought was best for the club in that time and you know, going forward, Mm -hmm. and you know, and we fully respect their decision. Um, at the end of the day, they're the ones who you know allow us to be here. So, I think, uh, when we were given the news, we were kind of okay, sweet, we did, you know, I guess we're a bit down and about but then the next day we had to come into work and realize that it happens every day in a normal job Mm -hmm. you know people 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 lose their jobs every day um you know just because we play rugby and and we you know coach rugby doesn't make us any different from other people so uh it was a good reality check and you know i think for myself it did uh, make me want to be better not only a better rugby player but a better man off the field and you know i had to find a way to 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 I guess lead the boys in a time like that, and you know definitely sure. definitely taught me a lot um you know I've, I've,
0: and, I've and if you look at the record shortly thereafter, there was an uptick in in the performance mm-hmm. morale uh the energy level on the team, work rate went up on the field, so it, it definitely had an effect, and as long yeah. as everybody knows, hey, this is for the bigger picture and the greater good everybody's headed yeah. everybody's on the same bus going the same direction, right.
3: Yeah, It was funny, um, you know, I think when you if you were to come into our team environment, I think as Nate would, would tell you, I think when he first came in, he he um, like he he thought that man, this would not have you would have not thought this was a team losing every game every weekend. I think mm-hmm. the team culture and the morale was there, and the intent and uh, everyone's um, passion to come come to work and get better every day um, was there, but obviously just little things let us down in the game and um you know i think at the back end of the season we did show signs that we could compete with the top teams and oh sure uh, mm-hmm. and like you said it's you know all preparing for the future of this club whether i'm a part of it or whether you know um whoever comes in next you know know that um that we are we're a good club and a club that's going to grow in the next couple of years and um You know, whoever takes over the head coach job or whoever jumps in, you know, uh no doubt they'll have a lot of people backing them and a lot of support from the fans. You know, I think the OG fans are real proud and you know, passionate for us. So
2: I like that. I like that. Sorry. Uh, On that note, Danny, uh just curious, uh since you brought it up, uh will will you be back in an old glory jersey next year?
3: Yeah, um Obviously, I'm in talks now, and uh, I'm hoping to be back. Uh, Definitely, is where I would want to play, and uh, yeah. uh, I'm guessing the
0: negotiation's pretty easy for you, though, based on what you said before. Yeah, just (laughs) sign. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's definitely something that I think many fans here would like to be able to see from you. But we want to make sure that our fans at home continue to be able to enjoy this interview by tuning in to be able to catch us on our new home at patreon.com under the handle at RugbyRantPod. You can continue to be able to follow us here with, of course, Danny Tussitala from Old Glory, D.C., a wonderful staple who's been there since 2020. We spoke about that experience all the way through to the season. We'll continue doing that on Patreon. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Danny, for being here with us and sharing a little bit with our fans. And we're going to be back in a few short moments for the rest of you who are joining us on Patreon. For only a couple of bucks, you get the extra stuff. To the rest of you, bye for now. And thank you for tuning in. And we will see you at the next.